The Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers, featuring Breitbart Talks on Talk 94.5. That's right. And joining us live on the air is the politics reporter, Bradley J. He is here to give us an update of the unbelievable race for Speaker of the House. And he's joining us right now. Good morning. Good morning, Liz. It's uh, great to be with you today. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. So um, were you surprised that Jim Jordan was not elected on this first round? Liz, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I think conservatives were hopeful that he would get through on the first, but after all the divisions and the tempers that had flared up over the past several weeks, I think it was inevitable that uh, folks would use the, the first ballot to expressed uh, their displeasure. Uh, I did, did not expect there to be 20 people voting against him. I don't think that Jordan's team did either, mm. uh, but they've, uh, they've circled up. They're working on the, they're working on the holdout. Uh, and I believe uh, in a couple of hours, we'll get a better sense of where things are. So there's going to be another vote. Is there any other person that would be in the running, or is it still Jim Jordan again? Are we doing the same thing like we did in January with McCarthy, just keep running the same person until they wear everyone down? So there are a few differences between now and January. Uh, Perhaps the most significant is that in January, it was the beginning of the Congress. uh, The members had not even been sworn in, so they could not perform any of the duties of their office. Uh, The House hadn't even... Uh, adopted a rules package to, to govern the body for the year. Um, that has all been done now. Uh, you notice after the vote yesterday, uh, the House recessed. Well, you couldn't have done that in January. Um, you'd just have to kind of floated while while the House, while everybody was in the chamber and uh, children had to go, gone around one-on-one and fought the holdouts. Uh, he was able to recess and talk with people behind the scenes uh, yesterday and overnight, and I think that's helpful. Um, it's just it's it's such a, a, a difficult spot to be in uh, for for Mr. Jordan. Um, I mean, you look you've you've got these twenty holdouts. Primarily, they're members of the old guard. Uh, I, I believe on average they've been in Congress uh, about a decade. Some of them are as old as eighty. Some of them have been in Congress almost thirty years. Uh, these are people who don't want to give up the Congress of yesteryear. They came in at a very different time. Uh, obviously, the party has changed a lot. Uh, the country has changed. The uh, conservatives, the populists within the, pa- the party have been empowered. And frankly, I think you've got some members of Congress who would be content with uh, burning the country down if they could rule over the ashes. And Jordan's, I mean, that, that's going to be difficult to see uh, if these people are, are willing to, to let, go, uh, let go of their power and or their perceived power and go with the flow and get with where the party's going. So, so I'm trying to get what you're saying. So Bradley, do you believe that there is a new personality of the GOP? And that is the, the way of Jordan, Jim Jordan, and that, you know, who, like, who do you think is burning it down? The people not voting for Jordan to just move on, like let let's just all get together and move on. Or do you think it's um, the other side, the Matt Gates wing? Well, 
I mean, there, there are always members who operate on an island, uh, both mm-hmm. uh, maybe conservatives and, and, and moderate. I think overall, Liz, if you look at uh, the, the shape of the Republican conference, well, it's changed so much since 2015, 2016. I believe about 63% of current members of the Republican conference in the House uh, came in with Trump or after Trump. Uh, so that uh, there's a very different, uh, if, if, if you look at the new folks, there's a very different philosophy to governing. Uh, I think one of Donald Trump's most uh, perhaps enduring uh, contributions to the Republican Party is that, well, you know, they say that po- politics is the art of the possible. Donald Trump showed people that, you know, uh, if you're a, con- a Republican, you don't always have to choose between uh, the neocons. You don't always have to choose. Well, who has the who have the elite put forward? Which one is the uh, the the most unpalatable to me? Uh, mm. I, so mm-hmm. I believe that the voters now they're empowered. They expect more. They've seen that. Uh, you know what? We can get a candidate. Uh, uh, we can get somebody in office, whether it's president or in in the house, who thinks like us, who is not an elite who is going to uh, do something that his, his or her constituents actually won't. If you, if you look at what some of the members who, uh, who voted against Jim Jordan yesterday are saying, some of them are going around showing text messages that they received. Can you believe that some of my constituents are reaching out to me directly, asking me to vote against Jim Jordan? I mean, the audacity. Uh, imagine being an elected official and thinking that you have that position for life and that once you're in, <laughs> yeah. you just get to do what you think is best. Right. These people just don't get it. The the whether it's a conservative uh, media uh, like like Breitbart, whether it's social media, uh, the people have a new voice now. They are not afraid to to use it. And I think come next election, uh, mm. the following November, for a lot of these folks, the chickens are going to come home to roost. Interesting. We saw that right here with um, Senator, I mean, um, Congressman um, Tom Rice. And that's how we got Representative Russell Fry. Uh, Nick, did right. you have something? I did. I just wanted to ask if you had heard what uh, uh, Byron Donald said of Florida, that uh, the question was asked of him last night, that do you think all the backlash from the constituents calling the offices, because you saw the same things on social media, we all did, saying, you better vote for Jim Jordan. He literally said, and I normally like this guy, he said, hey, just let us be. We can handle this. I don't think that's a good idea. And I thought to myself, really? <laughs> Nick, I think that Byron is one of our best. I, I agree, but I was uncomfortable and with that. I, I believe that what he was, I don't want to speak for him. I don't think there's any question that there have been some of the, the holdouts who, at the very least, have been claiming uh, that the backlash from uh, conservative grassroots has uh, reinforced their position. But I think, I think they're looking at it the the wrong way. Um, There, there's been, uh, there's been a a notion up here that somehow Jim Jordan has, you know, sent the dogs after these people and gotten the conservative grassroots uh, uh, to go after the holdouts. I don't believe that that's, that's right. I believe that this has been a very natural movement by uh, uh, the conservatives who want to see one of their own elevated to leadership. So maybe that's where Mr. Mr. Donalds was coming from. Um, I, you know, the, these elections have 
always been so internal. And this is the first time that conservatives have actually had one of their own in the running. I mean, the thought just a few years ago that we would have uh, Jim Jordan win 200 votes on the floor of the House to be Speaker. I mean, that that was unheard of just just a couple of years ago. Um, So I, I think that the conservatives are right in wanting to reach out and let their voices be heard to the elected officials. I mean, that's what a good, uh, uh, engaged uh, voter should be doing. Very interesting. Um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised that Jim Jordan didn't make it through on the first round because I had heard a lot about the fact that they just uh, weren't ready for this vote. In, in a way that they were saying that they were sure they knew going into it that Jim Jordan was probably not going to have enough, but they wanted everyone on record. Did you hear that? And why would they want everyone on record? I had heard that, Liz. You know, it's uh, they say the only time you can ever truly trust someone in politics is when they tell you that they won't be with you. And by taking <laughs> it to the floor, uh, Jim got, you know, he knew exactly who was with him. Uh, and who was and who was not, you know, that can always change. And I think on the second ballot, you may see a few of the holdouts come his way. You may see uh, some more drop off, but it gave him a better sense of uh, where things were. And of course, in January, the precedent is, you know, you have 15 ballots to get this sorted out. Uh, But if you look at the holdouts, there there are a few clear threads. Um, Obviously, you know, McCarthy got six votes. Uh, generally from people who were close to him, and it was almost, for several of them at least, uh, it was a protest vote. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mr. Scalise got seven. Um, So there's there's always, you know, personalities involved in these types of fights. Uh, I think more significantly, if you look at the holdouts, uh, it's people who are either on appropriations committee, so it's it's your big spenders, it's your folks who are very uh, close to K Street, and then it's uh, your your hawks. Uh, I believe seven were on approach, and then another four were in the Armed Services Committee. Uh, the, I mean, these are people who rely on uh, campaign funds from downtown uh, to stay elected every year. Um, they're generally people mm. who uh, who who may be seen as a, a vanguard of a, a prior iteration of the Republican Party, uh, not so much uh, the certainly not like a conservative populist or anything like that. Uh, but it's typically people who see Jim Jordan as a threat because he doesn't want to continue just pushing these huge, massive, multi-trillion dollar omnibus bills through every year. He wants to look at ways to cut spending. And importantly, he is not a favor of us continuing involvement in every single global hotspot that, that pops up. Mm-hmm. And he has been generally very, very, uh, we'll, we'll say, uh, questioning of Ukraine funding. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these yeah. people who've, who've opposed him, I mean, that is that is just absolutely unacceptable to them. Yeah. And some of these folks, frankly, would probably uh, rather retire than see a Jim Jordan speaker. Yeah. I just have to ask you this question, and we're speaking with politics uh, reporter Bradley Jay of Breitbart. You know, I remember when Scalise's name was up there, Jim Jordan endorsed him, I believe, or said he would vote for him, if if, if I'm remembering that correctly. But in an article on Breitbart yesterday, it said that the House Majority Leader Steve Scalise 
was attempting to undermine Jim Jordan's bid for speakership. Am I characterizing that correctly? I mean, did Jim Jordan, didn't he support Scalise? And and now when it's the opposite, he's Scalise is not returning the favor? You're right, Liz. Uh, you know, in the, in the first vote last week at conference for speaker, uh, Mr. Scalise got 113 votes and Jim Jordan got 99. Uh, that's out of, well, I'll, I'll note that three of the votes that Mr. Scalise got were from delegates who are not able to vote on the House floor. If you take those away, he got 110. That is just less than half of the conference that can actually vote on the House floor. So Scalise did not even get half of voting Republicans to support him on the first ballot, yet Jordan said, you know what, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. It's the will of the conference. Uh, I'd, I'll even uh, uh, nominate you on the House floor. Okay, that's great. Jordan showed he's a team player. But rumors are that, and CNN first reported it, Breitbart News has had sources confirm it as well, that Scalise refuses to do that. He keeps putting out statements saying, oh, I'm supportive of Jordan as long as he's the nominee. Well, supportive is, is different than actually offering support. If you look at other members of leadership, um, Kevin McCarthy, you know, former speaker, now Speaker Emeritus, He's been helping Mr. Jordan. Even Tom Emmer, who is probably a little bit more on the moderate side uh, of the Republican conference, uh, he's the majority. He's the majority whip. He has been helping uh, Jim Jordan. Elise Stefanik, who's the fourth-ranking uh, Republican in the House, uh, she has been. She she gave the nominating speech for for Mr. Jordan. She's been whipping votes hard. The one person who has seemingly been on the sidelines, and that might be the most charitable characterization, is Steve Scalise. But frankly, during his time in Washington, he's kind of developed a reputation amongst his colleagues. You know, people like him. He's very nice. He's the word often to often use is affable. But when the rubber hits the road, he has a tendency to kind of sit back and let things develop. And I don't believe that's true leadership. All right, Bradley J. Any uh, comments on the Showtime Autoglass text line, Nick, for Bradley? A, a lot of people are just like, can we get this done already? Because, you know, it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the focus has now been taken off of, oh, I don't know, the hearings on Biden, Hunter. Or the $100 billion Thank you. Biden is now asking. There you go. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful they get this wrapped up soon. But look, there are issues in the Republican conference. When you have Republicans... Who would who are are openly saying I would rather have a coalition government with Democrats. I would rather uh, work with Democrats to elevate a, temp, a temporary speaker over a figure like Jim Jordan, who is probably the second most popular Republican in the country uh, to only Donald Trump. When you, I mean, when those are your friends, who needs enemies? So we'll see where things <laughs> exactly. go today. All right, Bradley, thank you so much for joining us and uh, for all of your insight. We appreciate it. Pleasure to join y'all.